Are you looking to live the abundant life no matter what your income is? You're in the right place. This is the podcast that will teach and inspire you to live better. Whether you want to earn more, save more, or improve your relationship with money or people, it's time for the 90 Days to Abundance podcast, brought to you by SavingsAngel.com. Here's your host, the Chief Executive Angel of SavingsAngel.com, Josh Elledge. Well, thank you so much, Cece, and welcome to 90 Days to Abundance. I'm so glad that you've joined me today, and I do have a question, and that question is... Have you ever fancied the idea of starting your own online business? Maybe selling a product online. Maybe start your own online store. And maybe you have sold products on eBay or something like that. But uh, my guest today is going to share his story of how he and his wife were able to actually do very, very well. So well, in fact, that his wife was actually able to quit her job. And thus uh, came about Steve Chow's website, My Wife Quit Her Job. And I'm so excited to have Steve on the program today to talk about exactly what they did and how his wife was able to quit her job. And so without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Steve Chow of MyWifeQuitHerJob.com. And Steve, thank you so much for joining us on the 90 Days to Abundance program. Thanks for having me, Josh. Well, and I'm hoping that you can start by just telling us your story, because you have a really interesting story. But I'd love to hear the part of your story of of where you come from and how you and your wife met and what were you and she doing up to the point where, uh, as your website suggests, where your wife was able to quit her job. Yeah, so we actually met. Uh, so I actually went to college with her older sister, and she was actually one of the first people that I met in college. And this is not my wife; this is uh, my wife's sister. And for those four years, she never told me she had a little sister. And so just one day, we were just dining together in a restaurant. She decided to bring her sister along, and I was like, "Whoa!" You know. And, and at that point, you know, I decided to ask her out. Um, and then, you know, the rest is history. Wow. So you were just friends with the older sister. I was. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and not even really good friends at that, which is probably why I didn't know that she had a younger sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, but yeah. Obviously, oh, she trusted you enough to, to to give her sister the, yeah, he's okay, stamp of approval. Yes, that was very important. <laughs> <laughs> so then so, what happened? So um, I actually did not ask her out right away. And uh, I waited a long time. And it wasn't until maybe months, months, months and months later when we finally uh, met up again at uh, another mutual friend's engagement party. And then this time I was actually determined to take action. And uh, unfortunately, though, I just as I was about to ask for her information, she got whisked away by another friend and then Uh she ended up leaving. And then, you know, nothing happened again after that. Right. Not, so, not not a guy friend who then started dating. Not a guy friend, okay. not a guy friend, another female yeah. friend. And then, you know, you know, I, I waited again. I, I hesitated again, essentially. And, you know, one day, I, I don't know what happened. Maybe I was talking to a friend because uh, I wasn't really getting out that much. I wasn't meeting that many people. And, uh, you know, I said, you know, screw it. I'm just going to find out this girl's information and then just go ahead and ask her out. And so I ended up... It, and it was really hard for me to do this because the community uh, that I 
kind of hang out with is, is just very small and you know there's always this fear of getting rejected and that sort of thing so yeah. I just went ahead and just contacted the older sister directly got information finally asked her out on that first date and then the rest is history wow so well there you go so so then you guys uh you're married and then eventually uh so you and she were each working and, and what kind of work were you doing yeah, so I'm a hardware engineer, uh, specifically focusing on microprocessor design. My wife was in finance. Uh, she used to work for a couple Fortune 500 companies. She worked for Agilent and then Intuit. Okay, sure, sure. So. And then somehow, Steve, your story now parlays into the into the experience where you decide, you and she decide that she's going to quit her job. What led up to that? And kind of tell me exactly what happened. Yeah. So things are always fine when you first start working, right? Uh, Everything's brand new. But after a while, my wife just started not liking it at all. Um, She underwent a couple of uh, changes uh, with her bosses and that sort of thing. And then just, it wasn't so much the bosses, it was just the nature of the work. Uh, she found it kind of repetitive and mm-hmm. she really just wanted to, you know, stay at home and do her own thing. And, you know, just like it took me a long time to ask my wife out, we we kind of, you know, went through this cycle where she would just go to work and just be miserable. But she didn't want to quit because, you know, it's a lot easier to kind of stay with your status quo, uh, yeah. if you know what oh, I mean. Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, it was like this for a couple of years where literally it was just miserable for her to, to get out the door. Um, you know, we'd have breakfast, she'd wake up and then she'd have this miserable look on her face. And then she'd tell me, you know, uh, I'm, honey, you know, I'm off to the hell hole. I call my job. Oh, and, you know, f- for a while we were just kind of stuck in this rut where we would just go to work. She would come back from work. We would kind of just watch TV and waste some time, go to bed. And, you know, for five days a week, it was like this. Mm-hmm. And on the weekends, you know, we'd hang out and stuff. But, you know, when Monday came around, it, it was bad all over again. Wow. And so what ended up happening is, you know, we decided to have kids. And, you know, when she found out she was pregnant, it finally gave us that jolt that we needed because she was like, okay, we're going to have a kid. It's very important for us to stay at home. And for have someone to stay at home and take care of the child. And so at that point, she was like, okay, I'm finally going to quit my job. Wow. That it's, takes a lot of guts. It does. And it was, it was really scary. And it's partially because of where we live. We kind of live on the West Coast in the Silicon Valley because that's where all the jobs are for me. Yeah. And in order to get a house uh, that's in a good public school district, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for the child, all the houses are kind of very expensive. And... The kind of trend over here is, you know, there's everyone works, you know, both um, both yeah, spouses usually right. work here. And so that's why we were especially scared. And, you know, we looked into a lot of different ways to kind of just supplant her lost income. You know, we looked at opening a Kumon's. We looked at opening kind of like a cooking service. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, we decided to settle on this online e-commerce model primarily because it would be a way for my wife to be a little bit more hands off, you know, kind of run it from home. While yeah. taking care of the kid. And that's when we decided to launch our e-commerce store, which was called BumblebeeLinens.com. Yeah. And tell me what Bumblebee Linens is. Yeah. So Bumblebee Linens is, is just a simple e-commerce store, and we sell 
handkerchiefs and linens that cater to special events like weddings. Huh. In particular, and was this something that was was truly unique? Or, I mean, was it? W- did you become successful because the product was brilliant? I guess is what I want to what I want to know. Well, I, I can tell you a, a, a very short backstory regarding that. Um, you know, back when my wife and I got married, uh, you know, we paid a lot for photography, and she didn't want to be seen on the altar. You know, kind of drying her tears with with tissues and stuff. Yeah, and so we kind of looked for a handkerchief because that's what she wanted to carry in for the photos and that sort of thing. And we couldn't find them anywhere. And we looked <laughs> all over the place, right? Couldn't find them. And finally, we kind of stumbled upon this place that was overseas. But you had to buy like hundreds and hundreds of them. So wow. what ended up happening is, you know, we bought, you know, I think it was like 12, 12 or 20, I, I can't remember, 20 dozen handkerchiefs. We ended up using just only a handful. Yeah. And then we just kind of listed the rest on eBay. And they sold like right away. Interesting. Yeah. And so later, you know, when she got pregnant and we decided to, you know, start our store, we were thinking back to that occasion. And we're like, wait, hey, why don't we get back in touch with that vendor, import these in bulk, and then see if we can just make a store out of it. Hmm. And yeah. so, so back to your question, um, it was probably a good product and not a whole lot of people sold it at the time. But as you know, when it comes to starting any online business, it also comes down to execution and a little bit of luck. And what was that execution? What was that luck? I mean, how, did you have? Did you and she have a background that enabled you to do that? That that kind of separated you from other people who can't do something like that? Or, or what did you have going into this? You know, we had never run a business before. I actually knew nothing about the web or websites or programming. Neither did my wife. Um, basically it was just that kick in the pants, you know, we got to start making money so my wife can stay at home and take care of our child. And so it was just really a hustle play, um, especially in the Mm -hmm. beginning. Yeah. And so you, you set up a, an online store and, and can you kind of talk about exactly like, I mean, what technology did you find? I mean, what platform, how did you let people know about you? I think that's the bigger challenge. It's one thing to uh, set up online, and I think there are a lot of helpful resources, including your site, to help people to actually set up that store. But then I think the larger challenge is getting that in front of people. Absolutely. Yeah, so uh, answer your earlier question. So the platform we chose was an open source platform. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have an engineering background. Even all this, even though all this stuff was new to me, I could just read the documentation and get through it. Yeah. So, in an open source platform, it's it's um, everything is free. You just it's just up to you to kind of install it and then kind of customize it the way you like. Yeah. And so, website was pretty much free except for hosting. And to answer your other question, um, we launched, and you were right. We didn't know what we were doing. So once we launched, naturally we had zero customers. Sure. And so in the early going. It was kind of all about hustle. So, first thing we did is, um, you know, we contact. We started contacting as many people who could buy our stuff in bulk. So, this included wedding planners, event planners. We started going on the wedding forums, mm-hmm. and uh, early on, I used to pose as a girl who was engaged, and I would just ask around, kind of ingratiate myself in the community. And then just kind of drop subtle hints. You know, it was a long-term thing, right? You got to start posting about other things and then just occasionally drop little hints. Um, you know, where can I find handkerchiefs? This is what I'm looking for. I'm getting married soon and that sort of thing. It kind of brought people in that way. Interesting. Uh, early on, uh, we sold on eBay. 
and we you know we sold on eBay first and you know whenever we made a sale we would insert you know some collateral uh, and hopefully you know if they were to buy again they would come back to our site or they would tell their friends and then we also used a pay-per-click service called Google AdWords oh sure and that pretty much just brought immediate traffic to our site that was just very targeted Wow. Was that, did you find that you had a good return on investment from using Google AdWords? Yeah. So when we first started out, the answer was no, mainly because I didn't know what I was doing. And we were, we were spending money and we were making sales and getting all this traffic and it felt great. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I looked at how much we were spending to get those people there. And, uh, you know, in the beginning it was either break even or we were losing some money. Mm. And so it was just a matter of just figuring out, how to kind of optimize those ads for the greatest return on investment. And that took a while, and it, it took a lot of money to get to that point also. Sure, sure. So what do you think? Uh, so now you also mentioned that you were selling on eBay, and I'm sure that there are folks that are listening to us that have either, well, obviously bought on eBay. I think pretty much everyone has bought something on eBay. But uh, mm -hmm. selling on eBay, I think, is pretty common too. But yet you didn't want to rely strictly on only selling on eBay. You wanted to have your own store. And and what is it that eBay was not willing to give you that you were able to get from creating your own online store? Yeah, so the thing about eBay is, you know, they're a marketplace and they charge a lot of money, um, you know, to use their marketplace. And I think... When we had left, we were getting charged about between 12 and 15% of our revenues. And I was just thinking to myself, hey, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You know, if we put up our own site, we could easily make a lot more than this and we could establish our own audience and we wouldn't have to be dependent on eBay. And this kind of came on the cusp of one of my buddies getting his eBay account just banned um, oh. for seemingly no reason. And I was thinking to myself, man, you know, if we started getting a lot of sales on this service and all of a sudden, you know, we got a string of bad feedback for some reason, we piss someone off or, you know, for some random reason, you know, sometimes you can't prevent it. Right. We could easily get banned as well. And then there would go our business. And so really it was more about one, you know, the fees and then two, just kind of owning your own platform, owning every aspect of it and being able to customize the site very specifically towards our targeted customer base. So now that you you have an online store, you're selling through your own your own website. Uh, what does your wife do in a typical day? I mean, are you sending a lot of packages out? Yeah, so we have an office space and a couple of employees now, and so she basically just makes sure that the operation is running smoothly, and she primarily focuses these days on the marketing. So we have a company blog that she updates. Mm -hmm. uh, she takes care of the email autoresponders and. Basically, the day-to-day -day stuff, and I'm kind of in charge of all the technical aspects and all of the pay-per-click marketing services and that sort of thing. Yeah. And Steve, what is, what is that website, your store website? It's called BumblebeeLinens.com. And so uh, when did you go from the point where it was just you and she, and then you decided that you were going to bring somebody else on? How did that happen? Yeah. So um, for a while, it was just the two of us. And we basically hustled and ran this out of our house. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, so basically I would go to work full time. Um, at that point, she had already quit her job. I mean, if we, if we just fast forward a little bit. And, you know, she would take care of our kids during the day. And as soon as they went down, she would kind of um, pack all the orders and that sort of thing. And it, it got to a point where we kind of wanted to reclaim our house. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, because we the, our garage was full of inventory, mm-hmm. and then we had a room dedicated as as a basic packing station, essentially. And you know, it, it was also at a point where you know the kids started having more and more activities, and so she couldn't basically just stay at home. Um, the whole time she had to shuttle right, the kids around. Right. So that's when we decided to move it out to an office space, which was the first step and, in order for us to hire employees. Wow. That's a yeah. big jump. It is. It is. And it actually uh, costs money but you know, for the office space and the overhead of hiring someone and that sort of thing. However, it was, it was definitely worth it because it has allowed us to, one, reclaim our house, which is really nice. But two, it, you know, it, it fosters more growth because once you kind of – Get that office space, and you hire that first employee. That's that's the biggest hurdle. After that, it's yeah. much easier to expand. I mean, do you particularly like? I mean, which do you like better, microprocessors or wedding linens? <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people ask me why I haven't quit because you know the store makes a lot more than you know our incomes, and then I have a blog that makes more than our income. Uh, you know, selling linens was kind of like a means to an ends. Uh-huh. Uh, the whole purpose was so my wife could have a flexible lifestyle. And now that our kids are older, you know, we're, we we find ourselves shuttling them all over the place. And so mm-hmm. there's no way that my wife could work her full-time job and possibly handle the, all yeah. the extracurriculars of the kids. And so for me, I'm much more interested in, you know, what I kind of studied in school, which is engineering. And that's one of the reasons why I haven't quit. Yeah. It's not about the money. Yeah. That's interesting. So it's, you know, it's, it's sometimes you'll ask people, it's like, well, if you won the lottery, you know, what would you do? And and most people say, man, I would quit my job. But, you know, I, I wouldn't. I love what I do. You know, I would absolutely <laughs> keep doing. I don't think I would change a thing. You know, I'd probably hire a few more people to do the stuff that I don't like. But, you know, I think that's great, Steve, that, that you're, uh, I mean, you love the work that you do so much that obviously you're not doing it just for the money. I mean, there's sure there may be a great opportunity but um that's that's so wonderful when when that connection is made and that you can do work that that you love passionately yeah yeah i mean it's a good position to be in and uh you know who knows that might change over time and then i kind of have this flexibility now where i can kind of pursue what i want to be pursuing Mm. so then Steve, you made the decision, you're, you're successful in your online store, and you made the decision that, hmm, maybe we should teach other people how we did this. And how did that decision come about? Yeah, so, um, you know, all my friends, we kind of all ended up having kids at around the same time. And so I started getting a lot of questions about, you know, how, how to start something on the side. Uh, so that, you know, their lives could be more flexible with the kids. And so what ended up happening is I was getting all these questions, finally decided to just start a blog and kind of just document them all. And so my blog is essentially, at least in the early goings, it was a, it was pretty much a day-to-day documentation of all the struggles that we faced running our online store. Mm. And, you know, Soon after that started happening, people started reading it. They started finding it and finding the story interesting. So I started getting all these questions as well, just from random people who were reading. And basically, they were just asking for uh, – they were, they were happy with the blog, but a lot of them wanted personal instruction. Interesting. And so what ended up happening is after a while – and you know, in, in the beginning, I, I really had no intentions of putting together a class or a course or anything like that. But I ended up getting a lot of questions, and so – what I ended up doing is I didn't have large blocks of time to put together a whole lot of material just all at once. And so what I ended up doing is I just decided to launch a course, and it basically had no content in it. 
and people would sign up for it and I would just start producing content on the fly because for some reason mm-hmm. I couldn't get myself to just sit down and just create this large <laughs> monolithic thing. I figured that if I started having paying customers, that would give me the kick in the pants to just start creating content. And that's kind of how my course launched. Um, people pay me money on the hopes that I would put out good video content. And that's kind of how that all got started. Yeah. So when you teach people now, who who's coming to you? Is it is it people... I guess I, I'm thinking of like the objections that, that people may have. They may say, well, it's going to cost me a lot of money to start a store. I'm going to have to have a bunch of technical knowledge uh, in order to start my own online store. And and I would imagine you have a message that says, well, no, you, you really don't need to. And, and what is that message? Yeah, uh, there's actually several messages. So the first one is definitely you don't need to be technical to start anymore. Uh, Back when I started, and I kind of worked on the website in 2006 before we launched in 2007, there wasn't that many platforms out there. There was like one or two open source platforms and there was Yahoo stores. Uh, Today, there's there's a whole bunch of places that pretty much take care of all the setup for you on the back end. All you have to do is really focus on selling and getting the store kind of the way you want it to look. And so these services are like Shopify and big commerce. They pretty much do everything mm-hmm. for you. So the technical hurdles aren't there at all. I mean, it's, it's much easier now to get started. Yeah. Uh, second misconception is that it costs a lot of money to start. And I have this post on my blog. We basically only invested about $630 in our business. Wow. And a lot of that was actually inventory. Sure. So if you, you know, if you want to go the open source route, and you know, we both have WordPress blogs, all you basically need is a cheap shared host that costs like $5 a month. Right. Um, install the software and you're good to go. Yeah, it's it, yeah. it compared to I, I was doing internet development in the in the mid nineties and you know just compared to, and domain names would cost you one hundred eighty dollars a year and uh, you know it's just amazing how much easier it it is today and uh, you know some people might look at that and say well does that mean because it's so easy so many people are getting into it the opportunity is over and how would you answer that? Yeah, so the opportunity really depends on you. So a large portion of my class is devoted to finding the right niche. And that's actually very important because there's no point in starting any business unless you have something special to offer, right? And so the reason why a whole bunch of people fail is they kind of launch like a me too type of business, right? Mm, It kind of blends mm -hmm. in with the rest. And so really, I would say that even if this area, even if something, if there's a lot of people going into it, doesn't really matter what other people are doing. It it matters whether you can stand out and whether you have something very unique to offer. And if you yeah. do, no matter what you launch, it'll probably be successful if you can get the word out. Hmm. That's good. And so who usually fails at starting an online business and 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 what do you see as the some of the larger reasons that people fail? Yeah, I, I got a lot of data on that. So oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Often what happens is people just real I mean it's it still takes work right? You still ultimately, you know, you have to work at it. Sure. And there's a lot, there's a steep learning curve for a lot of people, right? And so what what ultimately happens is someone will give up. So let's say, okay, a lot of people give up Mm -hmm. pre-launch because Mm -hmm. they expect that all you have to do is, um, you know, kind of launch your site and, uh, you know, but launching an online store, unlike a blog, there's, there's a bunch of pieces to it, right? Got to figure out what you want to sell. Then you got to find vendors, uh, that will supply you product, and then you got to get the site up and get the word out. 
Yeah. Okay. And I, I, I tout that as an advantage, right? Because, because it's a little harder to start a store than a blog, there's actually inherent barriers to entry in starting an online mm-hmm. store, right? Mm-hmm. Because people have to go this extra step, once you do actually get launched, that means less competition for you. Yeah, right. right. There's less likely for someone to actually go out and copy you. Okay. And so the, the students that do get to that actual launch phase, they typically do pretty well. Um, they usually get their sale within the first couple of weeks. Uh, there have been a few students who have decided to close up shop after they've launched. Yeah. And I can talk about that a little bit. So once they launch, a lot of them who fail expect the sales to just kind of roll in after that. They, they expected that all the initial work that was getting up to the launch was the majority of work oh. in launching the store, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. So what ends up happening is they launch, they don't get the customers as quickly as they would like. You know, they get patchy sales here and there. Uh-huh. And they get discouraged because the, the sales aren't just flowing in, right? What they don't realize is, you know, once you launch, that's when, that's when the work really starts, right? There's a lot of legwork early on. So a lot of the people who fail, they kind of depend, they, they wait for that Google spigot to kind of open up. Yeah, right, right. Not, not realizing that that takes a lot of time for that spigot to open, right? And it takes some amount of work to, to, to start ranking in Google. And so before then, what ends up happening is they don't get a lot of sales right away and they just kind of get discouraged. And then they just stop working on the site. Mm, and mm-hmm. that's the biggest mistake. Yeah. So when you say work, keep working on the site, I mean, what would be some things that you need to keep working at if the site is already launched and you already have the inventory? Yeah. So early on, you got to, it's all about the legwork. It's not so much about waiting. It's about, uh, you know, getting in front of your customers. It's about, um, you know, getting the word out. It's about trying pay-per-click services and keep keeping at it to refine your ads it's it's just all about the hustle. So for our store early on, we were cold calling event planners and wedding planners and focusing on our pay-per-click efforts. And it wasn't actually – all the fruits of those labors didn't actually show up in the beginning, right? And so Google traffic didn't start kicking in until yeah. six months later. Yeah, right, right. The wedding planner and event planning stuff didn't actually kick in until a little bit later because – we didn't quite have a handle on how to approach these customers. And it was just kind of, you know, a, ref- a refinement process on how to, how to really contact and kind of land these event planners. Um, all of our content marketing efforts kind of took a while for, for it to kick in also. And then just, you know, the, generating word of mouth for your business just generally takes a while. Yeah. And Steve, what about selling physical versus digital products? Is there any advantages or disadvantages to either of those? Yeah. So since I do both, I, I think I can comment on that. So physical products obviously is is a little bit more difficult, I would say. Right? You have to worry about inventory. You have to worry about shipping and that sort of thing. However, the the good thing about that is it's it's much harder to replicate because of these logistical issues. There is, you know, when you run an online store, you can also choose to drop ship. And uh, for for your listeners who don't know what drop shipping is, mm-hmm. you don't have to necessarily carry inventory. You can essentially put up a site, take orders, and then have this agreement with the vendor such that they actually ship the orders over to the end customer. Okay, so that's actually a low, yeah. a lower maintenance way of running an online store, but obviously it's not as profitable. 
When it comes to digital, so sorry, with an online store also, you kind of don't need a reputation in order to start selling, right? The products can pretty much sell themselves. Oh, right, right? sure. You know, you have a product listing. If the price is right, a customer will just buy. They don't really need to know who you are per se, just that you're kind of a semi-reputable shop and that your website looks, looks okay. Okay. Whereas with a digital product, that's more on the authority of the person designing the digital product, right? And so if I were to sell my course teaching people uh, you know, how to start an online store without a following, without anyone who knew who the heck I was, there would have been a credibility factor there, right? So yeah, I actually right. had to launch my blog first, develop my following, and that made selling the course that much easier. So those are the main differences. Yeah, yeah. And what would you say, Steve, have been some of the more painful lessons that you've learned in running an online store? I mean, what I, I, if you think back to, oh my gosh, that just really stunk when that happened. What what was that thing? Yeah, so, I mean, there's so many. I, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think. Oh man, I am so with you. <laughs> there are so many. Um, well, okay, I can tell you one of the biggest learning curves for me personally was was dealing with vendors overseas. Mm, mm-hmm. And um, there's a learning curve because of the cultural differences. You know, I'm Chinese, and even though we were dealing with um, Chinese people, it's just a different culture out there. Huh. And it seemed to me, and this is, we have really quality vendors now, but it took us a while to find these people. But in the beginning, it seemed as though if they could get away with something and cut corners, they would. Oh, sure. And so I'll give you just a story real quick. You know, our first shipment of handkerchiefs was really amazing. Uh, the, the quality was amazing. Everything was perfect about it. Uh, we bought in a small quantity, you know, as a test in the beginning, right? And we got mm-hmm. good stuff. When it came time to order in bulk, that's when the problem came. Mm-hmm. And so we expected the same quality that we got in the initial shipment. But then, you know, the, the bulk shipment that we made where we spent a lot more money, uh, we, we started getting a lot of junk that oh, no. we didn't sell. And what was tricky about this was they would kind of mix in the good stuff with the bad stuff. <laughs> so we actually we actually didn't even find out until we got a chance oh, to go through no. all the inventory, right? And it was a huge refinement process back and forth. Like, hey, look. And these people are overseas, right? So it's not like you can just put a put a stamp on it and then ship it back, right? Um, so it was just a refinement process. And finally, what we ended up doing was we went over to Asia uh, we um, to actually meet our existing vendors. And we actually also started going to trade shows and finding duplicate vendors. And it was a funny thing happened. You know, as soon as we met face-to-face with our vendors, explained to them what the problem was, kind of, you know, hung out for a little bit, became fr- you know on friendly terms and that sort of thing everything kind of dramatically changed all of a sudden our quality got better uh we developed a much better relationship and so they kind of gave us the heads up first whenever new stuff came in and that was one of the big turning points and you know as with any sort of partnership or whenever you're doing business the one of the big lessons for me was your vendors are kind of like your partners as opposed to just vendors right if you can get on if if you can establish a rapport with the people you're buying from you're generally going to get better treatment and better quality stuff from asia yeah 
I can see that. And so um, what tools, Steve, specifically do you recommend now that, that make this job easier than, than before for people that you're currently working with? Okay, in what aspect of the business? Uh, is, as far as I want to start an online store, what should I buy? I mean, who do I go to? I mean, what products? I mean, I, I don't, you know, as far as hosting goes, as far as the, the platform goes, you mentioned Shopify earlier. Uh, are there any others? Yeah, so, um, okay, so let's, let's break it down here. So in terms of just getting the online store up, let's say you're technically challenged, you don't want to deal with any of the tech stuff, and you want a very good-looking site, go with Shopify or BigCommerce. Um, if you want, you know, obviously that's the later stage of the online store. In the beginning, you got to figure out what you want to sell, right? Yeah. So to figure out what you want to sell, um, I would go over to the Google Keyword Planner and find keywords that people are searching for that are kind of in high demand. And then you can just go ahead and cross-reference the data that you get from the Keyword Planner with sites like eBay and Amazon uh, to find out whether that product that you want to sell is wow. actually selling. Interesting. And then you want to start validating your niche, right? You want to go to uh, where your customers hang out, kind of pitch the idea, and see if there's an interest in the product that you want to sell, right? Yeah. And then you might even want to go as far as create some sort of landing page saying, this online store is coming soon. Put your email address here and we'll keep you informed. Okay. okay and so that's the basic process of figuring out what you want to sell. And then once you figure out what you want to sell, you go to a Shopify or Big Commerce, and then you you sign up, get your online store up, and then once you're up, there's a whole variety of ways to get your product out there. Uh, there's pay per click services. You can start a blog and get uh, people organically that way. There's the comparison shopping engines, all sorts of different ways to get traffic to your site. Well, Steve, thank you so much for all the time you've spent with us. And, and uh, you know, I was kind of asking you throughout uh, the interview uh, for your resources, your site, and where people can find you. You shared so much great information, and I would imagine there's so much more that my audience can learn from you. Where are the best places to go to find that information? Yeah, so you can go on my blog at mywifequitherjob.com, and I offer a a free six-day mini course on uh, how to start your own online store. Cool. And basically what that is, is it's going to give you a high-level overview to see if it's something that might be interesting to you. Awesome. Uh, in terms of contacting me directly, there's a contact form on that site. Or you can always find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is MyWifeQuit. <laughs> Sounds great. Steve, <laughs> I, I love it. And I love your branding as well. I, I, it's, I think it's a very captivating um, brand that people hear that they like that. Uh, they'd certainly love <laughs> to be in that position as well. So congratulations on your success. And thank you so much for spending your time with us. Hey, thanks a lot, Josh, for having me. You bet. Well, I certainly hope that you enjoyed that. I really enjoyed my conversation with Steve. Very, very cool guy. And if you would like the show notes and any of the links, very easy. All you have to do is just go to savingsangel.com, click on podcast, and you'll see right there, you'll see a, a link that uh, you can follow and you can look at the show notes for this episode. Now, also, if you enjoyed this program, would you do me a favor? It's really simple. Just uh, share on Facebook. And particularly if you found this episode helpful, then then go ahead and share a link uh, on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you socialize online. I would greatly appreciate it. And as a result, you and I 
get to grow this message of abundance. And I'd be just very, very grateful to you if you did that. And of course, if you'd like to reach out and and touch me, really, really easy. Just go to savingsangel.com. There's all kinds of free stuff for you at my website. There's a free Introduction to Abundance e-course. I've got a free coupon database. You use the two of those together. And you know what? You could pocket several hundred dollars pretty easily this year. And hey, if you'd like several hundred dollars by the time Christmas comes along, then then I think that that's uh, just a great thing. And so as always, make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast player. If you're not listening to this podcast in a player, you really need to, because then you can make sure to get this podcast delivered to you at your leisure. But the reason you want to do that, particularly with this show, is because I share a lot of very timely deals, very time-sensitive deals. And so oftentimes there are deals and freebies that you don't want to miss. And if you listen, if you're listening while you're on the treadmill, if you're listening while you're in your car, if you're listening while you're cleaning, at work, wherever it may be, uh, I want to make sure that I deliver the goods to you. Remember, this is the podcast where I'm that good friend of yours that is just always hooking you up with the best deals, the best freebies, the best upgrades out there that you might want to take advantage of, and all with the intention of helping you live more abundantly in all areas of your life. Thank you so much for spending this time with me, and I hope you have a great day. Have a great week, and as always, live abundantly. Man, I would quit my job.